Are you stressed and filled with anxiety like I am? Maybe in a bit of pain from that car accident you had a few years ago? Well, the sponsor of today's episode, Hempville CBD, has us covered. They have the highest quality products created by chemists and doctors. Hempville carries everything from CBD to THC dispensary grade without those despicable dispensary prices. Order your Delta 8, 9, edibles, and vapes along with the THCA flower and get free shipping when you spend $50 or more at HempvilleCBD.com. Check out the link in the description for more details. Welcome to the Film Science, the double feature podcast. Join us as we unravel the interwoven experience of the continuous conversation of cinema. Take part in pairing movies with their cursed counterparts, movies that share DNA, or even pairing questionable duos by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash We offer tiers at the $1, $5, and $20 level, or the $5 tier will grant the ability to request films to further the discussion. So grab some popcorn, sit back, and get ready to join the 100-year conversation. This is the Film Steins, where movies are more than just entertainment there. An experience. There an experience all around you. And welcome back to another episode of the Film of Steins. Thank you for joining us today. I'm joined today by my creative friend, Lucy. Hello, everyone. I like that one. That goes in the good ones. Oh, okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, you can join us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with new episodes of the Film of Steins. Some recent episodes include... Netflix's Maestro, the totally historically accurate Amadeus, Dream Scenario, the deceptive movie Inception, and the totally too cool for a school movie Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire. Remember to go over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash filmstines to leave nice reviews, comments, thoughts, ideas, concerns, whatever you would like, film requests, and subscribe for a dollar or more however you feel yeah christmas is over no excuses now (laughs) but today we are discussing the surprise hit of 2023 at least in the realm of sci-fi and visual effects gareth edwards the creator Uh, how about that disney made disney made yeah subsidiary of disney fox but yeah that's not disney it's not Disney proper. Is Marvel Disney? It's kind of the same thing, right? I mean, new Marvel is definitely Disney. <laughs> yeah, especially with the Disney Plus and shit. Yeah, She-Hulk, definitely Disney. Yeah, I could I could totally have seen that on the Disney Channel back in the day. Yep, exactly. Yep, yep, yep. I like that. But yeah, man, after seeing some of the visuals in this movie upon the early PR cycle, I'm not sure when that would have been, maybe six months, seven months ago. I was immediately interested in this. I was like, damn, this is cool looking. It's a cool looking movie. And after watching it, I get real District 9 and Blade Runner vibes as far as aesthetics go and stuff, which is, I th- I mean, if you ask me, I think that's a great compliment. But it's a sci-fi movie. And we don't have a lot of favorite history with sci-fi movies, especially on this podcast. With the exception of, I guess, District 9. Yeah. But I am happy to report back that I had a lot of fun watching this movie. I thought it was a little long, but I liked this focus on this melodramatic kind of soapy man that's just in love and wants to find his his partner. He doesn't care what happens around him. He's 
detached from reality. I liked that through line with this war between humans and what they've created happening in the background. I liked that. thought that was cool. So you tell me, man, did you like the creator? I still don't know if I like it or not. I felt like it was a bit too long. That probably adds to my um, cons on this movie. And I just feel like there was something missing here that didn't quite do it for me. I bet I know what it is. Was it John David Washington's performance? Yeah, he's definitely part of the problem, for sure. Not only his acting, but also his character. There wasn't enough here for me. Yeah, so I'm hoping we can unpack here why I don't like it too much. I I can't quite put my finger on it. I think I'm in the exact same boat with you, but maybe at the front of the boat or something. Because I enjoyed it, but I'm not exactly sure why I like it. Other than the visual. It's a very okay. striking, beautiful movie. And I, there's some th- obvious things I like about it, but I'm not really sure why. Because I don't think John David Washington, the son of our boy Denzel... Yeah, right. I, I saw that. That's and I was cool. like, well, he didn't learn a thing or two. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, acting is not hereditary. <laughs> but, but facts. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I do think our our boy here, Joshua, was that his name? Was sort of weak. I, I think, especially for the melodramatic kind of through line we have here, I like the premise of this character, but I don't love the delivery in any of it. Yeah, because this film is about love and there's multiple relationships here that he is in love with. He's in love with his wife and he's in love with this child or becomes in love with this child, cares to grow for this child. And I felt no emotion from him whatsoever. Besides him saying, I'm in love with my wife. I'm looking for my wife. She's my world. And the flashbacks I get of them spinning around at the beach. He's not convincing me. Yeah, he comes off a little cold. I kept thinking throughout it that I was I was hoping for that moment, like in Interstellar, when Matthew McConaughey, like I can't remember exactly what moment it is, but he is in the ship and he like starts crying and he puts his hand over his mouth and stuff, and it's just a really powerful, performative moment. And we didn't get anything close to that out mm-hmm. of this guy. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I know we'll talk about it, but even towards the end there wasn't any kind of breakdown that would have been great or when he saw his wife you know his real wife being a vegetable hooked up to all these machines i thought for sure i was going to cry well i guess by then i kind of knew i wasn't going to because he's not delivering for me but that's an easy cry yeah there should have been it should have been but I I think he just did not deliver the sadness and the love. I agree. Although I do think we got pretty close. I it's kind of a frustrating situation where the piece is so moody and melodramatic that all we needed was that performance and we would have had a a really interesting sci-fi movie. <laughs> no, I I definitely agree. And It sucks because I feel like that's a big part of the film. Him, he's our main guy. That's his point. He's looking for his wife. So it completely consumes the movie. So even the great parts were a little bit overshadowed by this 
not-so-greatness. And I feel like the second act was probably the most boring. I wouldn't call it a snooze fest by any means. This movie is still, you know, watchable. It's it's decent. It's good. Um, visually, it looks great. But that second act was a little bit rough to get get through compared to the first act and the last act. The last act was probably my favorite. So I had a bit of a problem with what this movie was trying to tell me. Because a proper, at least in my opinion, a proper sci-fi movie is going to disturb you in some kind of way. Which I think it's what a lot of our, you know, um, popular sci-fi movies are missing. Maybe that's why I don't like them. Like Star Wars. Yeah, I think it, they tend to go that route or the world bu- the world building route. Yes. So it's one or the it's other. It's one or the other. But I... I feel like if you're making a sci-fi movie to make you feel how sci-fi books make you feel, you need some disturbingness to it. And in movies like Blade Runner 2049 and District 9, we're kind of unpacking what's humanity and what is a human, what makes something a human or what makes something worthy of love and empathy. And I feel like we're getting some of that here, you know, with the little girl, of course, and some of the other AI that have human faces to them. I mean, mm-hmm, yeah, so there, there's my, you know, sci-fi trope. I have that. And the, of course, the world looks pretty cool. I wish we would have gotten a little bit more of the explanations on why we are where we are and maybe some of the explanations behind the technology and stuff. Or even the little girl, why she is the way she is. Okay, I get she was created, but maybe more information on the why or how. You know, get get techie, get get sciency. You know, I like I like that. I like even if you make it up, mm-hmm, I yeah. like I like that. So I have my tropes here, but I'm I feel like I'm missing some of the disturbing the jarring the kind of fear that this movie was so close to you know what i'm saying probably the most disturbing thing i saw in the movie was when that guy the one of his soldier friends whatever they are military dude and he's dying he died in the back of his truck and they left him there and the lady colonel howell finds him and inserts this thing on the back of his head. He puts his last bit of consciousness into another AI. He brings him, She brings him back to life. I'm not sure I get exactly, you know, how, what, why, whatever. But she just wants to know where Joshua is at. But they brought someone back from the dead. It wasn't like we experienced his last... 30 seconds of life or he recited the last 30 seconds of what he said he came back to life yeah it was panicking it was panicking and she's like where is he where's the weapon blah 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 he's like my wife (laughs) and you're like oh shit i think they had something really cool there that they didn't use like i would want them to use it this was probably one of the most jarring things i've seen in a sci-fi film not read i've read a bunch of fucking awesome ass stuff but visually seen on a like uh in a movie 
that was awesome. That left me like, damn. That's the kind of shit I want explored in a sci-fi film. Well, that's the thing, right? When you have a sci-fi movie, you you expect some kind of technology. And we get some of that here, and you get that in a lot of sci-fi. But it really was one of, other than the AI itself, it was like one of the few pieces of tech we got, and we never really acknowledged it. I like that it's just tech, and it exists in the world, and there's some. it feels like there's some you kind of desensitized nature to using all of this but because it actually ended up being you know that foreshadowy moment of this you know josh is gonna be able to connect with his wife again using that technology Mm -hmm. it feels like we needed just a little bit more out of that specific thing i feel that yeah i feel like they should have emphasized that a little more somehow maybe maybe make it happen a few more times throughout the film and make your audience feel like oh shit or maybe discuss it through an ai not agreeing with it how it's fucked up to bring in that kind of life and put it into an ai body a simulant body yeah that'd be awesome i feel like with sci-fi movies or i feel like with just in general sci-fi you have a little bit of fear with fascination you're kind of fascinated with the other that sci-fi can bring and i feel like that's what's missing from a lot of sci-fi films and they had something here that they gave me that they should have played to a little bit more especially because it wasn't too far into the future i feel like there needs to be this tether to what once was because there's a lot of people alive in this time who are alive at this moment in 2024 you know yeah and so there needs to be this old world mentality kind of being held on to like at every other moment in history and you don't get any of that it feels like it could have been taking place 500 years in the future didn't matter that it was like 2060 or something like that yeah i feel like they kind of try to give us a general idea of how far it takes this into the future with that cool introduction kind of onboarding video we see bits and glimpses of some technological advancements like a robot delivering your newborn child yeah but again that could be in that's the funny thing because we're not too far from it we have you know robots today performing surgery so we're almost there to that video but it, it it doesn't do a great job it's probably because that video feels like it's almost a commercial from the 1950s displaying this new tech in a fun you know everybody's got to have it kind of way and it starts to build this case of maybe this isn't from the get-go from the first what two minutes of the movie that onboarding video thing that psa or you know adjacent thing it feels like this film takes place in an alternate universe like yeah they discovered this kind of technology 50, 60 years ago or 70 years ago from us, but it's like similar, but different. And they're, so they're just like a, a few, they're just like a hundred years more advanced or something than, than we are right now. And so there's, but then again, it doesn't cause it's still just the U S LA. We have this, it looks to be a completely unionized Asia. So it's, there's a not too far in the future kind of feel to it. 
but it feels like it might be a different reality. So it's a little confusing in that way because it feels like there should be a little bit more of an an old mindset. I'm not sure what that would look like, but yeah, the wiki does say in 2055. Okay. So you're almost right on the money. Because it almost feels like this movie should have been completely taken from the point of view of a like an American American, not Josh, who's detached and in his own you know reality and not wanting to work for nothing or work for anyone, I should say. Because we get a very America versus the AI, the simulants, I guess, specifically. It feels like there's really no reason for the conflict. Well, supposedly the AI destroyed L.A., so that's why that's kind of targeting Americans. Yes. That's why they're so pissed. But when has any conflict only involved one attack? They attacked L.A., in quotes, right? And then the U.S. is going to be fighting them for the next 15 years? Like, What else have they attacked? What's the conflict? They don't just attack L.A. and then back off and don't attack anymore. It feels like they're being just, which they are, they're just being pushed into a further and further corner and trying to be wiped out completely. So where is the like controversy and conspiracy and the the protest? I mean, I guess we see a little bit of the protest, but like where where is the actual conflict? It's a very one-sided conflict, I guess, which is bizarre and it it's weird that Josh is the through line through these two parties because the moment you're detached from the American militants, you it becomes completely obvious that the AI is not dangerous. They're completely organized and they're not barbaric, for one. They don't kill on sight. They will detain you and put you in jail, right? They're not marching on the West. So it's just, <laughs> it's just a funny conflict that is very one-sided and it feels like it's trying to say something about America, no doubt. Yeah, and that's part of my problem because we know why the Americans are doing this because they made a mistake with the coding, with the programming and attacked themselves but didn't want to own up to their mistakes so they blamed it on the AI and now they have to, I guess, do the extreme and eliminate the AI because of, to cover up their their mistake. And they say that in like one sentence and that's it. They don't come back to it, like nothing. They just villainize Americans and that's it. They didn't explore that part of it. And that's also one of the things that could have made this movie a lot better. Explore that mistake. What happened? Who did it? Yeah, the one point I wish they explored a little bit more through their American lens was the sort of throwaway line. There were, I think, two instances of it when they brought up the Neanderthals and one, I think one of the people in one of the towns said something about AI being evolution. It's the next step in evolution. Mm-hmm. And how I think the colonel lady said that the Neanderthals were more or less displaced by a different form of humans more aggressive and meaner species of human. And I liked that angle, and I liked that America is now that meaner, more aggressive group of humans, or humanoids, I should say, but is more or less kind of neutralized by the resistance to fight. 
But I mean, it's a full, it's really just a full stop there because that's how the movie ends through just EMPing the their major form of attack. But I wish that would have been the kind of crux of the rest of the movie. Like the little girl not blowing up the nomad and the Americans getting their way? No, like more of a philosophical debate on the battlefield of of time and place being a little bit more important. Yeah, too bad there's not enough decent dialogue in this film for any kind of philosophical discussion to work. That's true. And I and I do like the actual focus because it's this very singular, you know, man in love, want, you know, longing for his woman with this future war happening in the background, literally, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. I just wish, I guess in that case, I just wish his performance was a little better because I, I feel like you could look past all the funny, you know, political affairs happening between the AI and America and I guess Asia, just in general. America's bombing Asia constantly, apparently. <laughs> so that's got to be a problem, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but I can I can look past all that as just this these fireworks basically happening for this guy on a fucking quest to go find his woman. You know what I mean? And then but when he finds her, she's Walt Disneyed and she is she's she's not coming back, you know? And in the same form at least and I expect this man to break down like Nick Cage and Pig or yes. Matthew McConaughey and in Interstellar and you know so many other great breakdown performances. You only need the one. You could have the buildup of coldness the whole time. And then, damn, we get that explosive performance of him falling to the ground. And Yeah, he was cold and aloof till he saw his wife. Poor man. But when he saw her all Disneyed out, he was just like, oh, man, that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. I found you. <laughs> Why are you not picking up when I call? <laughs> Yeah, and then they just speed through that so fast, which I get it. You know, they're the guys are hot on their trails to getting Alfie and getting Armada and stuff. But Sato from Inception, whatever his name is in this, it was like, you know, giving him the rap and he took her memories out and they bolted. It was just so fast. Yeah, we didn't even get that, you know, big happy family moment because this was their kid. He found his wife. He has his kid. It's a reunion for him. And we don't we don't we don't get that moment. This sci-fi movie only gave us the world without the explanations, which it's fine. You know, Blade Runner doesn't do that. Or I guess I've only seen the new one. It doesn't do that. But it doesn't really leave me questioning the world. I think they do a really great job when where I don't have to question it. And District 9 explains it to us, explains what happened, why they're there, what's going on. Yeah, they do a really good job isolating the situation in District 9. Yeah. And here, I I don't know, I'm missing... I don't exactly know what I'm missing. But I guess one scene that comes to mind is when his friend that gave him the ring to track the wife first meets Alfie and... I don't know, sticks a pen in her ear. That's what it looked like. I'm sure that's not what happened. I don't think she has ears. And he's like, oh, wow, this technology is so advanced. 
Yeah, it was a little awkward. It was really awkward. Like you didn't plug her up to anywhere. I didn't see at least at least put, you know, some charts or some code really fast running through the screen. Like I'm I'm not that smart. You can trick me. Just put a chart, print out a fake chart and say, "Whoa, look her alpha blah 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 numbers are off the charts." Yeah, you don't got to do much. Troll Hunter did it with just a few documents. Yes. And oh it, my god, yes. <laughs> It sells the movie like crazy. They have a whole damage control and quality fucking <laughs> department of what and what not to do with these trolls. It's and, easy. And one of her big things, one of Alfie's big things was that she grows. So she's something new. She's something different. And they didn't go into that like I wanted them to either. I just feel like this movie has great things that they didn't explore that they just said hey here think about this and that's it well this man's over here all sad i guess he's sad i don't know and the whole the whole end was a bit confusing to me i didn't know what his plan was i didn't know exactly what was going on the missile still shot out and i guess last minute they decided not to explode I don't know. I wish that would have been clearer. Like, was his plan to not make it back to the ship? I thought that's what was going to happen. I thought he was going to sacrifice himself somehow. But he didn't. He made it back. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. It was, and then he had a boss fight. Then he had a boss fight. It was a bizarre ending. It definitely screams, how do we how do we wrap this up? And this was, this was it. <laughs> I don't know how they came up with this ending. Especially... I don't know why they think they earned the the reunion at the end where they put it with him and, and AI, Maya. Yeah, that was a whole thing. You know, the little girl asks, what's heaven? And he says, it's somewhere people go in the sky. I don't know if he says when they die, but whatever. And then she asks, are you going to heaven? He says, no, because I'm not a good person. She's like, well, I guess I'm not going either. Because AIs can't and you're not a good person. But then we have the end here with the reunion with fake Maya. Like he finally made it to heaven. Okay, I can see that. Some symbolism there, but it's... Because when he says heaven, when they're on the bus and he tells her heaven and where people go up in the sky, she looks up and there's the nomad. Okay, so there's a through line there. So there's something there, but I don't like it. It reminds me of a scene where someone's like frolicking through the tall grass and they meet up and I don't know. Yeah, and they also had that moment where the colonel said something about I'll see you in Valhalla and there's a moment in the Valhalla lore, the Nordic lore, I'm not exactly sure what they even call it. Okay. Where... Their paradise is represented through like a field of reeds or something like that. Some kind of plant. Kind of like we see the crops in the ship where Josh and Maya mm -hmm. re-meet. So there's this through line there. It pops up several times. That's definitely important. I didn't even, didn't even notice that. Which is cool. But all of a sudden you now need to start justifying your characters more and have better and tighter writing. Yes. When you start to 
<laughs> get fr- get fancy. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. He got too fancy. He got a little fancy there, yeah, for what he for what set yeah. up, because he pulled the rug out from under us when they first had the reunion. Like, oh shit, there's no, he's not collapsing. There's no exchange, which is fine. I'm all for her being dead and <laughs> like being a vegetable, I should say. But I need this man to fall to the ground and want to fucking kill himself. Because he even says at one point that he doesn't care if the world ends, basically. The AI takes over or whatever he said to the colonel about the mission. It's like, I don't care. I just want my wife back. Remember? Yeah. So we've got this man who is completely dependent upon finding Maya. And so finding her dead should have destroyed him. So is that is that the point? That because he no longer feels that way, he no longer only cares to find Maya. Now all he cares about is Alfie destroying that. He's a good guy. I don't know. So he gets to go to heaven? (sighs) It seems that way, doesn't it? Is that it? He's grown. He's, He's bigger than just himself. He's thinking for the greater good of humanity, humanoids. There's something to that. He now realizes the mission when he sees Maya. He's like, fuck, she can't run. You know, this this is it if I don't do something right now. So there's something to that. But show that. But we got to see that. Yeah. And we got to see the emotion and the flashbacks. Like the flashbacks were great. Yes. Which I feel like is rare. I feel like flashbacks are usually a little forced and not. You can't really earn a flashback, I guess, because it's already happened. But they are hard to insert. And them make complete sense. But when you have a mellow, dramatic, sad boy, he's thinking about it a lot. And so when he's in the shower, you can have a flashback. When he's in bed, you can have a flashback. You know, I don't, stuff like that. So it fits really well. But yeah, they. But you gave us enough flashbacks to feel sorry for the man. We know how he feels about his wife. So he should have broken down yeah in some manner in some manner and then had his like okay i broke down it's time to think about humanity or whatever but he still needs that moment of oh my god my wife because i don't like the angle of alfie is his kid and now he's gonna connect with his a kid that was made in his kid's image Mm -hmm. that's lame and then he's all of a sudden now a reluctant father figure, which is lame. But they kind of lean into that by default because he's reluctant and now he has to care about Alfie in some manner, whether it's because of his connection for her or for the greater good. It doesn't matter all of a sudden because he went from not caring to caring. I mean, and then and, and that's it. And so it looks kind of lame. That was his whole character arc. I don't know. I kind of like it because something had to change his mind. Because in the beginning, when they're at the beach or whatever, they're getting infiltrated. And then he he tells his wife, let's go. Let's get out of here. And she's like, what about the others? And he's like, they're not real. So he has the idea that these AIs are not real. They're not human. They don't deserve the empathy. So Alfie is the reason for that. For him to change his mind. For him to care. See, I sort of disagree. I like the going from thinking these AI are not human, they're fake or whatever they would say. And this that was this thing that popped up within Colonel Sanders and her 
group of people, mm-hmm. you know, a few times. They're not real. There's this like element of chanting propaganda happening there, right? But I liked the the switch happened when he saw how organized they were. He saw them react when he saved Alfie from the exploding android and the the other military guy. And he saw that reaction. So I like those bits and pieces kind of adding up to him being like, oh shit, they're more than just robots. Yeah, and I get that. Because even with Mr. Sato calling him brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think Alfie was the spark for him to be even able to recognize that. And to be able to save her in the first place. Because this guy only wants to find his wife. How? Why is he going to just go save a random AI little child? Which they don't make children AI, so... Right? Yeah. Didn't they say that? So not like he has other opportunities to save random AI child children. But I think there needed to be that connection to his wife for him to be even capable of opening himself up. I don't think they executed it as well as I would have liked. And I don't have a problem with the girl's performance, with Alfie's performance. I think she did okay for a child actor. Yeah, and she, she did fine. She It could have helped a better performance out of her, but it may have... It's hard to say because they're they were both kind of weak. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I kind of think he she was better than him. <laughs> you know, should have played Josh Denzel. Damn, <laughs> that's rough. Let's get your daddy in here. Show him how it's done. Show him how it's done. Denzel, man, he's he's good. I also feel like the girl needed a weirdness about her. You know, she's still an AI, so I don't know if that's a performance thing or if it's a character thing, mm-hmm. but I th- I think she did okay. Yeah, I can't really, until we fix Josh's performance, I, it's hard to say anything about Alfie, because she only responds to him, really. She doesn't really have a mind of her own. She's just along for the ride, for the most part, mm-hmm. and so it's she's completely dependent upon him. So it's it's hard for me to to see how she would be without replacing Josh because I don't have a problem with her like awkwardness I guess or I don't I don't know it's kind of bizarre because she's I guess it's kind of to help build a case for the AI being sentient beings that she can her being gated off from the world made her a little awkward socially mm-hmm. awkward. She's not like a normal AI or humanoid human type person because she hasn't had any interactions with anybody or very many. Yeah. So she's she's a little bizarre. That would make sense because every other AI who lives, like Mr. Sato, they all live with each other. They're all normal fucking people. And they all behave like normal people. Well, and they were at one point, right? Or kind of are. I don't know how you would phrase it in this world because you donate your face. Well, I guess you only donate your face. You don't donate your consciousness, right? I don't know. See, I don't know. How does that work? Yeah, but those are the kind of questions that should just be asked and never answered. Like, we should ask those. Like, those are nice little bits of texture to help flesh out the world. You know, those are the good questions to ask. Not the ones that pertain to Alfie and 
the motives of the U.S. and stuff like that. You know what I mean? You want some texture to the world that definitely goes unanswered because, you know, we're not... This isn't a textbook. Yeah. Because it's kind of like... One thing I liked about the U.S. and their shenanigans was they still used AI-oriented things, but they were anti-AI, sort of. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're revealed to... Not they're not they're not actually anti AI. They're just anti sentient AI and have you know AI that they don't have control over anymore. Yeah, but they still used it. So like, there's this nice little mystery kind of brewing right there that gets revealed to us why they're still fine with using certain AI like the that explosive AI guy, which was awesome. It's probably my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, same. <laughs> that was awesome. All right, I have a few funny things to bring up from a writer from Variety. His name is Peter Debruge. He says, The AI labs seem to be concentrated in incredibly lo-fi parts of Asia, like rice fields and scenic karst-studded coastlines. All the better to amplify the clunky colonist critique. Is there a colonist critique here? No. I mean, it sounds like the West and probably parts of Asia, like Japan and Korea help facilitate the invention and creation and manufacturing of the AI themselves. So who's colonizing whose culture this time? I'm not sure. I thought that was a little funny. And then this one's stupid. He says, referring to critiquing Edwards and White's script, he says America thinks AI is dangerous. Never mind that the U.S. Army uses tons of AI tools, from translators to scanners to kamikaze robots. Did you watch the movie? The conflict's a front to just get rid of them because they've lost control of them. And they wanted to blame the bomb on something. How about this pacifist group of beings that we can corner at some point? Weird, right? It's a variety. Alright, I got one more. Alfie's abilities are unclear in scenes where she holds up her palms to control electronics. Or worse, blesses robots with a laying on of hands... Feels like cringy examples of Asian appropriation. By the time the movie reaches a mountaintop monk's retreat, it calls heaven. It's hard to take any much of anything seriously. I don't think I watched the same movie. Asian appropriation. Nice. There's a monk in the movie. Asian appropriation. There was a monk in the movie? (laughs) (laughs) Alfie's going around blessing people? Blessing robots? Jesus Christ. She's the chosen one. She's the chosen one. All right. These people get paid for this? Yeah. I don't know how much. Something, right? They got two variety. Make a little bit of money over there. All right. I don't have nothing to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, good. She must be friends with that girl from... Oh, this is a Peter. This is a dude. I guess they might be a she, her, but... Yeah, Tracy over there. I think of The Guardian. (laughs) Yes. What movie was that? Uh, maestro maestro that's right yeah man well thank you for this talk this was a good talk did you have fun yeah i don't know i still don't know how i feel about this movie it's fine is it did you have fun watching it? i wouldn't watch it again no i wouldn't either i wouldn't recommend it to somebody as a good sci-fi film i mean some people looking at reviews and stuff people were as bold to say this is the best sci-fi film of the year of the year yeah probably I, this is just so there's I think there is this element of sci-fi movies are generally so bad and this isn't this is 
All right, this is not bad at all, especially in you know to replace Dune. I think that was supposed to come out in December originally, Dune Part Two, and this comes out instead. So it's like, all right, great visuals. We have a little bit of a Messiah story like we do in Dune. We got some sad boy problems. Okay. Mm, okay. Did you have fun watching it? At times? At times. Yeah, I like the scene with the um, kamikaze husky robots running. That was hilarious. I loved how they sound, too. Yes. That was great. Yeah. That whole scene's actually pretty good, and it reminded me of, funny enough, Godzilla. Yeah. And I don't know if you know, but Edwards here was the director of the big blockbuster Godzillas that have come out. The first one. Thought that was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, after reading that, after after watching the movie and after reading that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. That scene felt very Godzilla-y. Yeah, it did. Especially to around that time, uh, the Americans were coming in their big giant tank looking yeah. cars, whatever <laughs> they were. And they were knocking down the trees like there was a big monster. So, yeah, that was that was, that whole entire um, sequence was pretty cool. Also, like, uh, the scene where he's going to kill the dog and he's asking them where the lab is. And they're like, we don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, going to shoot the puppy. That was cool. I like that. And the little girl, like, looks over, like, just glances real quick. And he doesn't. So I'm kind of glad. But... <laughs> That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. There's not a lot of sci-fi films that came out this year that are great. So it's kind of like the old adage of you're getting smacked in the head with a hammer and you're used to it, right? But then all of a sudden the hammer stops and you're like, what is this? You know, the, this this <laughs> this movie is the the brief pause of the hammer smacking. I looked up uh, what sci-fi films came out this year on Google, and I don't think Google knows what a sci-fi movie is because it has Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Okay, I guess that is sort of sci-fi, yeah. Yeah, and then it's got The Hunger Games. Um, what's that, the new movie? The Songs of Ballads and... Yeah, that's a weird one to whatever. call sci-fi. I mean, I guess sort of, not no, really. No, not really. Meg 2. <sighs> nah. That's okay. Yeah, Google's trying. (laughs) So I don't know. Don't make Google work so hard. Yeah, I'm sorry, Google. Black Demon. (laughs) That's on the list? That's on the list. That's okay. Transformers. Uh, Okay, Transformers. That's decent. That's That's like Guardians. Okay. But these are more fantasy than sci-fi, I would say. But then you get into the discussion of fantasy Mm -hmm. versus sci-fi. So whatever. I don't think these are proper sci-fis proper sci-fis like i would make you know rebel moon that's a proper Mm sci-fi a space opera yes that's what they like to call them space operas which those are kind of fake sci-fis or those are like another genre of (laughs) sci-fi but sci-fi nonetheless okay yeah well thank you man thank you for watching this movie i had a decent time watching it and talking about it here today thank you for this you're welcome do you have a budget guess for me today oh i do which was a weird one because semi-long movie we got a lot going on here and then this dude did godzilla and one of the star wars 
Yes, he did Star Wars Rogue One, which is hilarious because guess who couldn't get that gig? <laughs> Damn. Zack Snyder. Got him. Got him. Actually, Edwards got him. And then they both did a sci-fi movie this year. And... <laughs> they both did a sci-fi movie this year. And I don't care what you say about this movie. This movie is a masterpiece next to Rebel Moon. Yes. Oh, my God. We even said it when the movie started. How is this already better? In like the first two minutes, it was already better than Rebel Moon. Yeah, those first five minutes with that little ad PSA thing for the robots and then the press talk with House Representatives or the President or who the fuck that was. That was awesome. That was 10 out of 10. I wish we could have had that energy throughout the rest of the film. So, yes, I agree. It million times better. Yeah. So, because of all those factors, I gave it 100 million. Well, you'll be happy to hear that it was 80 million. Okay. Okay. Still very expensive, but it's like, okay, that's in the current landscape when Guardians, I think, costs 120 million and and Oppenheimer somehow costs 100 million. This movie is 80 million. That's not too bad. That seems a little high, but. That's not too bad. That seems too high to spend on a movie. That's what I, what I mean by that. But Holy shit. The budget for Rogue One, Wiki says 200 to $265 million. So, uh, yeah. Damn. That is... That's insane. That's insane. I, wow. I'm very curious about the other Star Wars movies now. You don't need to bring them up. Nah. I was just curious to see what he... What he worked in, in yeah in that realm this is cheap to him <laughs> God damn unfortunately this movie did not make any money the box office says 104 million so oh man there's a good chance here that we're still in the red with this did this have a theatrical release i think it it did but i'm not sure if it was a wide release oh, okay so okay. obviously that is a big factor right uh, it, it seems that the internet agrees on this being a visual effects nomination at the Oscars, which makes sense. There's typically not a lot of competition in that boat. I think Guardians is an obvious one. I think the creator is an obvious one. I think. I don't think this is an obvious one. Uh, is that just me? I think so. Oh, well, I'm we'll calling see. it now. We'll see. Not not being nominated? Not being nominated. All right. I bet you $5. Damn, I don't even make $5. <laughs> Go donate $5 so we can bet. <laughs> yeah, whoever wins gets that $5. <laughs> That'd be awesome. It says here over on Letterboxd, at a whopping 256,000 people. Oh. Pretty good. That's pretty good? That's pretty good, Oh, ah, yeah. okay. Okay. It's a little surprisingly high, actually. <laughs> 3.3 not too bad not too bad not too bad that seems about right to me it seems right in the ballpark of it's generally favored you're appealing to a group of people who are mostly battered and bloodied down to to nothing with with all their nonsense i mean they're what did they get after this rebel moon they'll take you know the cure the creator is a godsend why didn't they name it the Nermada. Or just Nermada. Or just Nermada. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. Yeah, I didn't give it a score. 
I was leaning towards a two. I guess I might still be leaning towards a two, but I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if I feel good with a two. I'm leaning in the 2.5 realm, and it really is based off of my experience watching the film, because there's some things I really like about it, and if I think about it too much, it's probably going to go down to a two, but a two, full stop. It's there's no. This is more than a serviceable movie. It's got some problems, obviously, but it's cool. It's a very cool movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's this is the baseline of a movie. This is you should not make movies worse than this. I don't think it's on the baseline. I think it's slightly, just slightly under the baseline. Damn. Well, with that said, thank you. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Film of Steins. Remember, you can catch us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with new episodes over on Pandora, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Patreon, all the goods. And remember to come by and leave nice reviews, comments, thoughts, concerns, whatever you want over on our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash filmsteins. Come by, give us a dollar, two dollars? I don't know. Feeling good? Two dollars. Whoa. We appreciate all the support, but until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap for today's episode of The Film of Steins. Thanks for tuning in and joining us on our cinematic journey. We hope you enjoyed our discussion, gained some new insights and perspectives in the world of movies. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, especially Patreon at patreon.com slash and follow us on social media for more film-related content. We love hearing from our listeners, so if you have any feedback, suggestions, movie recommendations, or book recommendations, please feel free to reach out to us. Until next time, keep watching and keep loving the magic of movies. This is The Film of Steins, signing off. Grrr.